0: The Best of Humble and Fred Show is proudly brought to you by Bodog. The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and Kelsey's. Hello, I'm Toronto Mike, producer of Humble and Fred. Have you ever wondered what Humble Howard's 10 favorite songs of all time are? Did you ever wish you could hear him play them and tell you why he loves those songs? That's what we do on Toronto Mike when guests come over to kick out the jams. And here's Humble kicking out the jams, as Freddie did in yesterday's Best Dub episode. Will we hear Steely Dan? Let's find out together.
1: I'm, uh, I'm injured, just so people know. <laughs> like, I'm really... Like, that was really something. You know, tell everybody what my they fault. missed. Okay. Well, it's all my fault. Yeah, I walked down the stairs. We're talking about one of your clients, Laura, from Sticker U, and that's cool. And uh, you're showing me... I'm showing you that Sticker U made a sticker that yeah. says, Check your head, and it's going to warn so, people not to bump their head. I'm sorry, do you want me to tell this story? Well, I'm you literally just, enough you literally just said, why don't you tell the story? Do you want to tell the story? <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, I'm just trying to introduce some instant uh, conflict and drama. I can't tell if that was uh, a bit or if that was no, real, I just, but please I just, continue, I, no, I Mr. Just, Glassman. Honestly, as I'm As re- I play your theme. <laughs> I'm just reeling. So Mike's explaining this to me as we're coming down the stairs, and he's showing me where people have hit their heads before, saying that Laura's going to create a sticker. Right. The next second... I walked into it so hard it put me on the ground. I wasn't faking. I was on the ground, reeling. Like I could tell you were in pain. And, yeah, uh, I went to the ground like a like a peaky <laughs> blinder.
0: But I literally—that's why I interjected. I literally was actually touching the duct thing there, and I said, "Hey, a sticker's going to go here so people don't hit their head." And then you smashed right into it. You
1: know, I can tell you that's happened at my place because between the uh, where Fred sits in the studio—is it okay to talk about Fred? Because I don't know I Please, you guys, I'm ha- I have you guys a brunch cool? date with Fred next week. Nice. And yeah, with me too, by the way. I know. <laughs> but I got to cancel. Is that right? Yeah, I got to cancel. I need it's... to look I just
0: booked something after that.
1: Yeah, I I, I, no, I feel bad because it's the day Spencer's moving. And I got to help her.
0: Okay, I'm glad you told me, because I'm yeah,
1: literally well, I gonna get to it. planning things around. Okay, well, I, I apologize. Is there more drama? Can Fred and I meet without you? So, uh, yeah, of course. Well, no, well, because you and I will talk a little bit about okay. what we want to talk about. But anyway, right behind where Fred sits is a small door. And when I moved into my place, I was going to have the... And it's very small. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know why the door is so small, except... <laughs> and I'm not... This is no... It's just an observation. The mm-hmm. place I, I bought was a Korean flower store. Listen, that's the truth. But there are some very tall Koreans. I d- I'm not from, saying. From uh, South Korea. Listen, all I'm saying is these are the facts. <laughs> the door is too short. Right. And it was owned by a Korean family who operated a flower store. When I got there, I was going to make the door larger so people didn't have to do what I just did in your place. Right. But I thought, no, it's quirky. It'll be fun. Like a hobbit house. It's like a small, <laughs> and I have done that. I've literally been, I've been touching, touching it while someone banged into it. Right. Like I've seen it before. So you know how it's I not feel. Your, uh, no, I, you feel it's terrible. terrible, but it's not your fault. You, you literally warned me. We were talking about it. Anyway, I'm so happy and, to be back. And, and yeah. I just don't want to have any more hatred. I don't okay. want to have any more well, let's Toronto address Mike that. fans. Uh-uh, Is there anything you want to say? terrible things about me. Let's address that off the top. So uh,
0: we we met last week. We did a, an, ep, an episode that resulted in a yes. great deal of... Uh,
1: controversy.
0: controversy. Uh, yes. Controversy. Engagement. Yes. Uh, maybe the third most uh, messages regarding a single episode in the history of this podcast, possibly. A strong third. Oh, that's... Because <laughs> you can't really beat Molly Johnson. That's number one with a bullet. And then uh, Gino Vanelli's number two. And I think this one is a strong third. But there's still time to get it past Gino.
1: But I want to let <laughs> people know. We, people
0: thought... That's like, what we uh, do.
1: What we should have done was you should have had your periscope feet up when you slammed my head into the roof. I actually wish I had it running, but I usually uh, yeah.
0: give you For a well. warning before I press record.
1: Yeah, people said some uh, horrible things about the Humble and Fred show. But and
0: about me. But i about me, were so used to it now. And about me. I got a lot of Humble and Fred loyalists telling me uh, I should never, how dare I play that question at the end? Because a lot of things went, a lot of things happened in that episode and you were both kind of ticked at different things. But people who listen think the big thing that pissed everybody off was me playing that question at the two hour mark of the two hour and five minute uh, podcast. So I got a lot of people telling me like, how dare I play that? That was inappropriate. Like I said, Jeremy Taggart said I was mean. So there were a lot of people. It wasn't all like anti humble and Fred. There was a lot of it was just a lot of anti everybody. I got mixed up in there too.
1: <laughs> okay. I don't know what you heard, but ah, uh, well, listen, man, <clears throat> I'm ready to put it behind me. So are we
0: friends? Because some people were worried what, that we broke are, what, up after that episode. No, you kind of stormed off on the. Well, I was school.
1: tired. I had to go place, and you had to pee. I had to pee. I'm, you know, era. I will just address it by saying that you know ever since I had my gastric erosion
2: <laughs>
1: of 2019, <laughs> right. I uh, get really hungry, and I get hangry a little bit because I'm supposed to eat every couple hours. Did you eat before this? I did eat. I did. Dude, I, actually, goodness. one of the reasons I messaged you that I was going to be late, and this is the truth, is I wanted to make sure I had full stomach <laughs> so, <laughs> thank so you. that I could come here and hit my head and then throw it up. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. Thank you. I got nothing to add. I think it's, you know, listen, I'm happy. Of course, we're, we're still friends. We're, having, uh, we're doing the jams, then we're going to have brunch, when I was talking to Fred in my driveway, we, we talked for like a half
0: an hour. Yeah. After that, just one on one, man, we were talking sure. it out, okay. It and funny. then you phoned me because you were phoning Fred, and Fred wasn't answering his phone. So I'm curious. I know that he called you from the road on his way back to Brampton. Uh, was it like was the conversation after that episode like? Uh, fuck that guy. Or was it like... uh, No, actually,
1: it was different. Um, Well, look at I called you in the afternoon. You and I spoke for 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Uh, yeah. um, No, the conversation was uh, more like, uh, you know, that was weird. And it was. You know, there's no getting around the facts. Like, you invite somebody to your home. Uh, Let's say it wasn't a podcast recording. It's a, you know... Tea. A tea or... (laughs) (laughs) French fries and gravy. Right. And at the end of a fairly pleasant raucous uh two-hour conversation you go hey just before you go this isn't me saying it but right. somebody that i somebody wanted me to tell you that you're a bunch of fucking assholes or something right Right. And well you're like well why sort of well why would you do that now like what 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 <laughs> what, what, what is that What's? what does that accomplish and you're saying right. it's not you right but see if it wasn't you you'd be like hey someone said this thing but i'm not going to play it because that would be ridiculous anyway so what Fred and I talked about was uh, right. that. And then we said, you know, uh, literally, I changed the subject. And that's why I called you. Because I was like, you know, we have a great relationship with Mike. He's been our biggest fan and our biggest supporter. But technically, the you know, I don't know how many more times, again, in answer to that question, do we give you enough credit? I don't know, like, technically, if you went back and, and minute by minute did the podcast for people that we celebrate, you've got to be in the top five like besides our family who do we t- and Phil there is really nobody that's had a more significant impact on whatever modicum of success we've had so that's what i choose and i will speak for fred that's what what that's what we choose to focus on
0: i uh, see the more we talk about this the more we increase the likelihood i get those emails again that i mean i did it twice so i'm not i'm not and I, and again uh i am sorry if uh, it was inappropriate to play the question. I had already loaded it up and told this person I'd play it, and then I played it. And I, t- I of course, I own this. I am the one who presses these buttons. I don't have to press these buttons, and I apologize. I am curious
1: you now. Why do you say buttons and not buttons? <laughs> I've always, you know. Well, okay. So <laughs> I am sorry, Toronto Mike fans. Howard Glassman, why does he have to be so no uh, Howard? You know what? I am just no. You are right. Your form, your
0: uh, colleague, your former colleague Martin Streak. Yes. Uh, whenever he'd come up in conversation, I would call him Marty. With a D like Marty. It's a it's a defect. I am a defective
1: Not at all. So that's what I would just say that you know what? Listen. In the forty-five some plus years I've been doing this, I mean, you know, I've had lots of things I've said that as soon as I said them, I'm like, ah, maybe that wasn't the
0: best. It could have been worse. When I look back, it's like, okay, it's kind of harmless. Like we're three big boys, and maybe we're too close. I was reviewing it in my mind. Maybe we're too close. Like I know too much about you guys, and maybe that meant me. I had a different level of comfort because Taggart's like, who's gonna kick out the jams if you do that? And I'm like, well, I actually feel like I felt comfortable playing it because of how tight we are and how far like I consider you guys buddies
1: not guests. we are buddies all right <clears throat> do you have any so, water or should I have asked for that let well, me be during a song
0: uh yeah during a song that. I will all do that right. so let's get to so that I now. just
1: found out that I have to sit here for the entire experience I would have chosen much shorter songs. I'm shocked that's a joke I am shocked though no you shouldn't
0: be that you never sampled even Freddie P's kicking well, out the jam just would to know that? just so you know
1: how it goes here's like, how I know it'll go you're gonna guide me through it it seems like a great experience <laughs> And as I told you before we started recording, Mike, don't be surprised. I only think about my golf swing most of the time. If someone were to ask me at any point during the day, what are you thinking about? I'm telling you, it'll probably be golf or what's going on. Right now, I'm working on a new downswing move. So I got that on my mind. This is an
0: obsession of yours. And I have two questions about this really quickly. But I want to let you know. When do we jams? Yeah. When do we do the jams? You are the 73rd person to kick out the jam. Can't wait. And uh, I'm looking forward
1: to it. Okay. Uh, Why don't we tease people? Um, here's the thing: my number one song is a Steely Dan song. Spoiler alert! Spoiler I'll alert! To edit that out. Yeah, what's this Leon? music now? Just playing a little bit. You you lived in Montreal for a little while. I did.
0: Did you become an Expos fan when you lived there?
1: Uh to the to only to the degree that they were the team that we talked about, and it was kind of cool last night. Thinking back to those years of, uh, hey, the Expos were playing last night. Gary Carter, mm-hmm, the kid, Yuppie, the stupid mascot. But I watched that game last night. It was cool. Yeah, I watched, I watched most of it. I watched uh, until the I fell asleep somewhere in the late fifth or early sixth. Oh, okay. I know it's two nothing. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, well, this looks good. I was getting tired. Yeah. Then this morning, because of the uh, f- uh, fabulous technology of the game in ten minute thing, yep, I uh, got to see how it finished. It was great.
0: It was fantastic. It's the first ever uh, World Series for that franchise, which, of course, was the Expos. It, although this is... I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not an Expos guy. I'm a Jays guy. But uh, I don't... It's not the same team. I know it's a franchise. But you're so far removed now. I don't I don't think Expos fans are parading in the streets. No. to celebrate.
1: It was kind of cool. A lot of li- I love baseball for the uh, deep, statistical, just everything is... At uh, one point, Buck Martinez last night, because I was watching the Sportsnet feed, was saying, it's uh, the first time that... Uh, two former Cy Young winners who've <laughs> <laughs> met each other in the final of a oh, of a a, a World's a seventh game and I was like, "Well, that's pretty cool." That's a good stat. But who who was like, "How do they start that thread?" <laughs> anyway, they that have was very good statisticians yes. uh, full time. So that was like apparently and
0: I it was new So that to was me. one of your that questions. That was the uh, Expos theme. That's mine. And the, the, the quick thing before I read these two questions. Yes. One's from uh, a mutual friend, uh, Adam Gro. So this these yeah, questions yeah. are coming up. But uh yesterday did you watch any of the TFC match?
1: I didn't. Freddy that was said the but Freddy, final. Yeah, Freddie was talking about it too. He said it, it was. Here's a weird thing, and it happened toward the end of our show, and I didn't comment on it, but I wanted to, because Fred said, uh, "Blah blah blah." I was watching the TFC game last night. Oh yeah, he hates soccer, but right? he was he made a point of watching it, yeah. and then he watched the baseball game. Yeah, I did the same, and I wanted to say, "Wow." There's a sentence I'd never thought I'd, <laughs> I'd hear from your mouth. And, and I, I like TFC. I've been to some TFC games because yep. my daughters were into soccer. But right. it was one of those things because I have a new girlfriend, new relatively new. Is,
0: is it new still? I feel uh, like new-ish,
1: uh, new-ish. well over a year old. Two girl. years. Two years. That's not but new. She, we're, we're, but last night was our first uh, World Series game. Oh, wow. So we're on the couch. You know, we, We've had dinner. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do for a couple hours before we go to bed? And I said, would you mind? If I turn on the baseball game because I know I want to talk about it tomorrow, not only did she not mind, she sat there watching it with me. Nice, reading on her phone. I she misogy- she loved you, eh? Yeah, I think so.
0: Good for you. You you seem. I want to say you seem happier, but you you you. Well, you just seem bang my head? I'm a little I know. bit <laughs> I know. woozy. Well, we're anyway, all happy. Yeah, for you. it was
1: great. So we watched. Or she and I watched the game, and then uh, she went upstairs for a little bit before me. I just got tired, man. My day started yesterday at like 4:55, so by the time 9:45, yeah. I'm like dozing on the couch like my dad. So one of the questions: uh, Don't we? When do we play the Adam Grow, Right Adam, after uh, Adam Groh says Cash uh, Cab, <laughs> which they haven't
0: actually filmed any no, Cash Cabs in many, many years, yes. but they just rerun the old ones, and people think Adam's still getting a
1: paycheck there. Okay, I wish he would.
0: What he's gotten a little paranoid, by the way, with end of the world preparations and like dig in a bunker and like he's gone a little obsessive. There. Why not? Okay. Why do scratch golfers keep keeping stop keeping score after they bogey so that they can keep their handicap lower so it's more, quote-unquote, accurate when entering a tournament? And with the climate crisis, isn't it time to start treading a little lighter on the planet and give up golf? And then she, he actually tags Greta Th- uh, Thunberg on this thing. So
1: Does he want me to give up golf?
0: This question's for
1: you. All right. I don't know. The, the first question is really... It would be so complex and, and boring to answer. Um, what he's talking about is call, is something called equitable ESC. It means basically that you can't... I think what he's asking is, again, I'm already bored of my answer. But basically, it's it means that as you get better in golf, you're only allowed to have a maximum score. So if you're an 18 handicap, <clears throat> I think your maximum score is three over par in every hole. It doesn't matter for the higher handicaps for a lower handicap player. If you were allowed to start putting in scores that were really higher than you were making, or you were, what it just says is that it's an anomaly when a good player makes a high score. So we'll make it so that you can't fudge your handicap for a benefit in a tournament. As far as the planet goes, you know, people talk about that with golf courses all the time. Golf courses tend to be, you know, Very mindful of conservation. That's the short answer of it. You know, I don't have the rest of it. You're already bored of it, I can tell.
0: Yeah, I'm not a golf guy. Okay, so what else do you want to... The Millennial, this is his tag on uh, Twitter. The Millennial says, I remember Howard from the National Golf Club. Yeah. Good player. What's his current handicap
1: and where is he playing these days? Uh, Millennial, thank you very much. I uh, played at the National Golf Club of Canada for 16 years. I'm very proud of the fact that uh, amongst only a handful of players who they, you'll love this bone. So it's such a sort of old, old course that they, they put the names of the club champions on the wall and there's only a handful. There's like maybe 10 in the 50 year history and I'm one of them. Wow. Good for you. Um, So that's cool. My current, I play at Glencairn. I'm a club link member. Now my current handicap, I think before October was 1.4. It's currently about two. So I play around, you know, I shoot my average score is somewhere, you know, anywhere from one under par to, you know, whatever.
0: Well, we, we talked uh, when you were here last week about
1: uh, how well you've done in some national yeah.
0: championships. of like your my best year uh, real golf.
1: deal. Isn't that great? What, uh, for me, it was an interesting thing about the sport. I'm my best year in the game in terms of my results when I was 59 years old. So what's jams, man? Okay. Let me give you a few things. Then. How's it
0: work? Well, first of all, Palma Pasta. Palma Pasta. Thank you for your support. I met I met with Anthony a couple of days ago, and we're planning TMLX five for December seventh at noon. Everybody, including you, Howard, is invited to Palma's Kitchen. We're going to do a live recording. We've got it all set up. They're going to give everybody. They're going to feed everybody at the event. So there'll be uh, fresh pasta from Palma Pasta. Thank you. I'm just looking here
1: when I'm talking to him next week because I'm. uh, We we put a date on our uh, little humble and Fred Christmas. Uh, thing is, it okay if we still do that? I mean, uh, it's not too much like Toronto. Mike. well, to what day, you're doing it? Are you doing it on December seventh? Do you hear what I'm saying? It's, it's not. <laughs> we don't want to be too derivative of what you're doing. So. I don't think uh, we own the uh, Christmas party. No, no, I know. Uh, I just don't want to step on any toes anymore. <laughs> oh
0: well, just try not to do it December seventh at noon. Now we're that? not doing it that way. Our our mutual fans
1: can attend both. Okay, I'm seeing Anthony next week or the week after. I think.
0: Kiss the Godfather for me. Yeah, he's, no kidding, he's a good yeah. man. So thank guy. you, Anthony. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Great Lakes Brewery. As my, I'm going to kill my phone here because it's. Pardon me. That's rude of me. If you had done that, I would have sneered at you. Would so you? My phone. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> my ringer is off. Okay. More so bad th- blood. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Literally from when you hit your head. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of woozy. You. You rest for I a minute. I have a lump. Great Lakes Brewery, fantastic partners of Toronto Mike. Uh, really appreciate their support. Can't wait to get another TMLX back there. Uh, Thank you, Great Lakes Brewery. Uh, Sticker You we mentioned the Check Your Head sticker that's going to prevent that from happening in the future, that accident. Uh, I just talked to Laura. I'm going to pick up the sticker ASAP. But there is another. I know you're collecting the Toronto Mike stickers. Uh, There's another one for you, Humble. Please, please enjoy. I want to thank Brian Master. He's a salesperson with Keller Williams Realty Solutions Brokerage. If you want to get on his fantastic snail mail e- e- uh, newsletter that he sends once a month with great information, get on Brian's mailing list by emailing him at let's get you home at kw.com. This is the end of October. This is Halloween. That means this is time to say goodbye to seasonal sponsor Pumpkins After Dark. The campaign went very well. I was talking to my contact there yesterday. People using the uh, Pumpkin Mike promo code. Again, that's still valid. If you want to save 10%, go to pumpkinsafterdark.com and use the promo code Pumpkin Mike. Uh, I think they're going to do the Pumpkins After Dark uh, through November 3rd. So there actually is a little bit of, of time. And I want to play, uh, I played a, a wonderful Rupesh Kapadia clip for you and Fred uh, last week, but this time we're going to do it with uh, maybe fewer jokes over it. But let me play the Rupesh Kapadia conversation I just had. Sheila writes, Hi, Rupesh. We've always been told you should keep receipts and tax documents for seven years. Is that correct? And is that literally the paper version of these receipts and statements? Or
1: are e-copies acceptable? Hi, Sheila. This is an excellent question. Again, this is one of the most common question I guess every accountant gets and I certainly do. So the answer is pretty simple. Yes, you do require to keep
2: each and every receipt of business related expenses. Just a line item on your credit card statement is not good enough.
1: And also you have to keep it in the paper format. However, Recently the CRA did make the changes and they say the digital copies are accepted as long as they're exactly identical to the paper copies and could not have been manipulated with in any shape or form.
0: So thank you Rupesh uh, for a free consultation with Rupesh, the rockstar accountant who sees beyond the numbers. Hit me up on Twitter. You can DM me at Toronto Mike or send me an email to Mike at dot com. All right, my friend, uh,
1: we're about to kick out the jams. Are you ready? I'm sorry, yes, so I was just looking at uh, a picture of a show I was on last week that doesn't include me. I Maybe you that. took the photo, no no, uh, <laughs> no I left to
0: they cropped you out that's uh that's offensive. You're I gonna be in my up. photo we hey, um, after this. by
1: the way, of all the re- of all the feedback that we got from our parents with you. The good and the bad and the weird. Some weird stuff. Sure. I think the weirdest one was somebody commented, like, I've never seen a picture of Humble Howard where he wasn't mugging for the camera.
2: I'm
3: like, I saw that.
1: I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't really, I hate having a picture taken. I don't know what face to make. Usually you put up an eyebrow. I and do an eyebrow. The, the eyebrow years are mostly behind me. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know. So I just thought, you know, internet, fuck off. But now are you so, anxious? You know what like, I mean? Uh, no, I'm not anxious. But I just think it's one of those photos? things that's like, Really of all the things you can hate about a sorry I don't make a face to the camera. <laughs> just this is kind of funny. It's like I do okay. Let me just make a neutral face. I'm sorry, am I ready for what?
0: No, I wanna know if you oh I was gonna ask you if you're ready but do you mind if I ask you about uh, a member of your uh, team at Humble and Fred? who passed away. Can I, I heard that an intern of humble and Friends yes. sadly but, passed. But
1: why don't we do that in between the jams or is that not allowed? Well,
0: if, 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 if you want to, if there's a jam appropriate, you can, you can say anything you want during the jams. Maybe there's one that makes reminds um, you of him.
1: No, nah, you know what? I want to get into it really. Just go listen. Monday show basically covered uh, this kid that worked for us. So very, very sad about 15 days ago. Now a couple of weeks ago uh, had an aneurysm was on life support. We thought at the time that there might have been a chance he could pull through. Apparently, he was on life support because uh, he had made a point of donating his organs. Nice. And so they kept him alive until they could find a donor that Good. needed his heart, I think his lungs, and I don't know. But, but it was, yeah, really, really sad.
0: And he was only 29 years old. Yeah. Terrible, terrible. Now, humble Howard, Yeah. are you ready to kick out the jams?
1: I guess
4: the train pulled in Paris like a rocket to the moon stations like a circus, every face is a cartoon, and everybody's out no on pride drunk out cheap champagne tonight this short of All that I can say is I'd give this world to you, every rock and every stone, every masterpiece and Rome. And if you asked me to, well, I'd still.
2: Your yeah, feet you
3: for all the world to see,
2: but tonight I can't give you Paris.
0: Gordy Sampson, Paris.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Tell us why you love this song. Um, it's more about why I love Gordy Sampson because he's one of those Canadian songwriters, singers, artists that I don't think gets as uh, you know as much credit as he deserves. And I didn't know anything about the guy. I remember at the mix in uh, the Humble and Freddie mix years, there was a Gordy Sampson song and it didn't do that well. And I just was thought it was another sort of Cancon guy. Uh, But fast forward, I was working with Kim Stockwood, who's from Newfoundland, and then she introduced me to a lot of different artists, including Gordie Sampson. Now, one night at Jackson Triggs Winery, I was hosting a thing. Kim was one of the artists, and I emceed the thing, and it was me and Seamus, or uh, Seamus the... O'Regan. Yep. He's an MP. Yep. And at the time, he was the news guy, and it was Kim's husband, Alan Reed, who's like one of the big wigs in the music business. Anyway, so I, I, I introduced Kim. I come back and introduce Gordy. And I was kind of going to leave. And Kim says, no, no, no. You, just stick around. You'll like this. She knew what I liked. And I sat there with her and, and Seamus and Alan Reed. And I was mesmerized. Like, I had no idea. And then in typical Humble Howard Glassman fashion, I went and got every song by him. <laughs> and uh, and I just started... It was like I rediscovered, I discovered him way after the fact. And this is just a great Gordy Sampson example. And again... I chose it because I love the song, but also most people would have never maybe heard it. I play it once in a while on the show. And there's also a great story with this song. Tell me. It's about him and his friend going to Paris, and his friend gets mugged instant like right when they land, and that's what it's about. But it, he's sort of turning it into a love song. Well, Blake, what's his face? Is Blake Shelton's first wife? Miranda? No, no. no. Maybe it's not her. A kind of big, like I was looking it up while you were playing it. Huge right. country star. Okay. Recorded it, made a big hit out of it. I can't remember her name. One night, she gets a bunch of the people that have written songs for her, because Gordy lives in Nashville now. Gets Gordy and a couple other guys on stage to tell the story of the song they wrote, and she had no idea that it was about Gordy's friend almost being killed in Paris. But uh, anyway, this for you don't know if you don't know Gordy Sampson is at all. He wrote "Jesus Take the Wheel." For uh, Carrie Underwood, which was a massive hit. He, he wrote part of it. The part that he wrote, uh, I've been told, has bought him several houses. Oh, <laughs> so that's why I like Cordy Sanson. That's great. Now, what do we do?
0: You know, we, we just we, listen to this. we can
1: chat a little bit. Uh, are we going to reschedule Is this, the this jam? brunch?
0: Yeah. I don't like to truncate the jams. I I'm sorry
1: that. Oh, you talk uh, over the songs. I like it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're gonna reschedule the brunch. Okay, just want to make sure because I was. No, no, I, uh, I want to. If it was anyone else but Spencer, I'd get in trouble. I, listen, it's your daughter.
0: I you, I spent this morning. So what is it now? It's about eleven eighteen or something in the morning. But I've already been to the Halloween parade at my five year old school, and then I also went to the. Halloween parade at the daycare where my three-year-old is. So I've been out and about looking at cute kids. So I totally uh, respect the uh, fatherhood uh,
1: vibe there. I really wish I could find the artist that she's super famous country artist.
0: All right, I'll start your next jam and you can keep uh, Googling away. That's fine. Okay.
1: Mm. what's the why this
2: song? why this jam
1: Graceland came out in 1986 which if there was ever sort of the epicenter if there were uh, the middle I don't even know if that's the right word kind of the, the where I was knee-deep in doing stand-up comedy full-time every week 35 or 40 weeks a year I was traveling. The other weeks, I was on stage somewhere all the time, and I remember (laughs) I had had a, a Walkman that played cassettes.
0: Of course, 86, we all did. Absolutely.
1: And I was living in LA, and I came to Western Canada to do like a three or four week stint and then go back to California. But the last gig I had, I did the Edmonton Yuck Yucks, and then I had to get on a bus to uh, someplace like four or five hours north of Edmonton, in the middle of winter, and I'm on this bus, and all I can, and i all I've got is uh, Graceland. <laughs> I'm listening to it, looking out the window, thinking, "Well, this is this is who I am now. I'm just this guy traveling the land on my own. No, my family has no idea where I am. Right. And it just puts me back in that space. And it, I had other cassettes too, but for some reason this kind of stuck with me like I'm the quintessential road warrior comedian guy right and uh, so when you ask for 10 songs I think what are what's what are what songs sort of have some huh. moments in my life that I think of whenever I hear the song I think of that it's, plus and it's plus, great song. the album if you again if you haven't listened to Graceland in a long time it's uh it's one of the best ever made. By the way, Faith Hill is the artist that covered Gordy Sampson's song.
0: And she's massive too. That's a big yes. deal. Yeah. It's funny how some artists are so talented and they just don't get the name recognition in this country. Like, I think nine out of 10 people will be like, Gordy, who? I think most people have heard of Paul Simon, though. I think so. I think you go <laughs> 10 out of 10 on that one.
1: Um, it's funny, you know, I agree. Like, Gordy Sampson is just one of those guys. Like, you can't believe what he's written. 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 Right. Hey, you see, I believe you what he's too, written. <laughs> um, but I was going to say about Paul Simon. You know, when I was a kid, Simon and Garfunkel were big, and Bridge over Troubled Water, Mrs. Robinson, etc. And then they split up, and then Paul Simon has a ridiculous career after. Not that Garfunkel wasn't talented, but you see where the music was written, right, was from Paul Simon
0: and i can't name a single garfunkel hit without nope. simon They're but wrong. i can name you know several massive hits of simon nope. and garfunkel excellent and here's your third jam
4: like the beat 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 of the tum tum when the jungle shadows fall like the tick tick Of the stately clock as it stands against the wall, like the drip, drip, drip of the raindrops when the summer showers through. So, voice within. Ting.
1: Sinatra. Okay, so the reason I like this song, <clears throat> well, par- partly because I like Frank Sinatra, not everything by him, um, and partly because I like one of the thing. One of my presets on uh, Sirius XM is 40s. I, I have the Sinatra channel, and I have uh, I think it's called uh, 40 something, 40 Junction, 40s Junction. But I, I have a I have a sense because my parents were born in the 1920s, 25 to 30, I think my mom and dad were. And sometimes when I hear this music, I think about my mother and father. And I think, well, this must have been their sound garden.
2: Right.
1: You know what I mean? Like, my yeah. parents must have been young people in the 40s. I was just looking up the year this was. This is from uh, 1932. Wow. But it's part of what's called the Great American Songbook. And those songs, and when I listen to the 40s channel, I just have this sort of weird... I think about my parents and they must have been in their teens when this was their like... (laughs) Their Pearl Jam. Their Pearl Jam, their Backstreet (laughs) Boys, their whatever, just during their formative musical years. Right. But there's a second part of this. Um, I went through a... Because I've been playing piano and guitar since I was a kid and not very well, but I can read music. So about 15 years ago, maybe even longer now, I went through a a jazz uh, renaissance and um, we had had this... Um, piano at our house, but it was an electric piano called a teaching piano. Now it's got 88 keys, but it, it, it's got the same pressure down. It doesn't matter. Why why do you care? Well, I have one of those upstairs. Yeah, so nice. So I thought, oh, I'm going to take piano lessons. So I spent an entire winter with a, an, a teacher and all I wanted to learn were these songs. So I only learned five or six over the course, you know, between golf season. Right. A- and this was one of them. <laughs> I learned how to play it on the piano. I can't play it anymore. I mean, I was. Uh, I asked him, I said, I don't want it to be too complicated, but I want it to be a challenge. Um, and that's why. So there's two reasons why this song. Are there any right or wrong answers to this? Okay. All right. See, if I were listening to this, I would have already been super bored. I'm by, by my own
4: side. away. Oh, well,
1: come on.
3: Get back homeward Once there's a way To get back
4: home Sleep pretty darling, do not cry And I will sing
3: a lullaby
2: your eyes you when you rise
4: Sleepy, darling do not cry
1: you know Lennon gets a lot of credit in the Beatles for being sort of one the one real one rocker, one of the rocker of the two but when you hear McCartney do that that thing he's that screamy thing he does like you just forget like the guy, They were something else. I know that sounds stupid. But yeah, This why do I like this song? To me, it's like the quintessential Beatles song. You know, it's got sort of a bittersweet feel to it. It's wonderful, but how do you even extract it from its uh, grouping, if you will? Well, I really didn't. I mean, I gave you all... I mean, really, this is part of those three song, you know, Golden Slumbers carry that weight in the end. Right. And what happened? Well, I only took out the golden slumbers part because it's. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Y- y- yeah. Well, the whole thing is what I oh, like. I'm sorry. I That's you okay. Including part. the end. I didn't. I. I don't. I didn't mean to distract, Extract it. Yeah, I wanted you to play the whole thing. I didn't realize. I apologize. Sorry. Right.
0: I apologize to you, Mr. Jam Kicker. I have messed it up. I thought you just wanted golden no, slumbers. No. 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 Okay. Okay.
1: Anyway, the 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 three of songs together, right. including the end. Um, for me, it's like a. Like a, if you had, you know, sometimes you go to the restaurants and they have like hors d'oeuvres or you can order a platter. Right. If you'd played all three, it's like a Beatles platter because you've got the rocker. You've got sort of the, you know, the big, the big, uh, all the band playing. But the last part, the end. Yeah. To me is like. It's just such a beautiful lyric, and it sort of surmi- It sums up all i all the things I like about all Beatles songs. And remind
0: me, this is the final album that they make together because yes. the last feels, album.
1: That's yeah. another reason that the the melancholy, the bittersweet, but the end, the lyrics of "and in the end, the love you make is equal to the love you, the love right. you take is equal to the love you make." That's like, and Fred and I talk about this all the time. They wrote that when they were in their twenties. Yep, I I know. In my 20s, I was doing (laughs) stand-up, taking a bus to Foam Lake, Alberta, wherever I went, and they were writing
0: that. If I remember correctly, I should have checked this, but I think Freddie P kicked out a Beatles song as well on his list, and I believe he went with In My Life is what I believe he went with.
1: You know, I would have chosen that, too. I could, I love, you know, there's something about the Beatles that they did that is what changed music part of what they did was they it's the it's the going to the minor chord and i you know again this is will bore the crap out of you but
0: i think you're wrong i think it, people like this uh but, detail
1: so prior to the beatles you know most rock music was three chords you've heard of, you know the, all these songs are three chords right they were basically three major chords dcg And if you look up dcg in music you can play a thousand songs But rarely in rock music, it it was around, but rarely did they go to a minor change. And what Beatles did is they brought in, even on She Loves You, there's a minor key in it. There's a minor change to the key that just changes the way it sounds completely. So that's what drew me to it. And again, because I can kind of play a lot of Beatles songs shittily, (laughs) I can play the beginning of of that, that little once there was a way part. But it's it's like it was it was unlike the way rock music was constructed. Now, um, most rock music has that. Sometimes you'll hear it, but very much a lot of popular songs go to the minor key in the bridge. Another thing the Beatles did, so th- that's why this song represents a lot of the things that I love about them. Not just as a fan and a disc jockey, but it's just kind of like, oh, that's cool. I can hear that in there.
0: When you were growing up in Moose Jaw, Moose Jaw. What station would you listen to to hear the Beatles?
1: C-H-A-B, which was also the first sort of station I worked at. I'm, I'm guessing, I only hesitated because I think there was a CBC uh, radio station, but we could also get Regina Radio. So probably C-K-C-K or C-J-M-E in Regina. Cool. Shout out to the Saskatchewaners or Saskatchewanites?
0: What are they called? I don't, know. I don't know. You're I supposed Saskat- to know that stuff. Saskatchewan there is. No. Okay. You know, my first wife was from Saskatchewan.
1: Oh, was she? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, my friend.
1: Oh, that's funny. Uh, another I've had a first wife. <laughs> i had a couple of wives. But she's from Montreal, right? Your wife's Oh, my first out. wife is not from. My first wife oh. was from uh, California. Yeah. Oh,
0: yes, that's right. We did mm-hmm. your first visit. We talked about this. Yeah, There's a wife it. before Randy. Yes, that's, that's right. right. For, a marriage, uh, immigration, A purposes. marriage
1: of convenience, the uh-huh, rabbi uh-huh. said.
0: That's, that's, you could probably win a lot of bar bets by having people guess how many times you've been married. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm betting
1: people in bars. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah,
0: I guess you don't spend much time in bars. No. All right, let's kick out another
1: jam. Yeah, let's jam it.
4: Drove downtown in the rain 9.30 on a Tuesday night Just to check out the late night record shop Call it impulsive Call it compulsive Call it insane When I'm surrounded, I just can't stop It's a matter of instinct, it's a matter of conditioning, a matter of fact You can call me Pavlov, dog Ring a bell and I'll salivate, how'd you like that? Dr. Landy, tell me you're not just a pedagogue Cause right now i have lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did. Well, I hide, I'm lying in bed, just like Brian Wilson did.
1: You know, um, I used to run into a lot of people when I was uh, the morning guy at the Edge. I don't know if you remember that. You were the morning guy on the Edge, 102.1. I know, I know, I know. You just think of the Edge as Martin Street and. You know, strombo, but we had a a spot there in the morning, the odd time people would tune in. Are you you Peter Geets? Which one are you? (laughs) That's pretty funny. Who who told you to ask that question, you prick? Um, People had this uh, idea that we would listen to the songs or that we were also, you know, going home and listening to the music. But in actual fact, you know, we play this music four hours a day, weekend and year and all that you know, year after year you don't really listen to it but this particular band because of our sort of association with them early on I was a fan of them and it, it was uh I this was a, a band I would go home and listen to their songs so there's the reason I included it is because it's my favorite bare naked lady song and um, once we started at mojo radio the band uh, you know we weren't playing music anymore but in the fall of, I think our first Christmas there, so 2003, Jack Layton came in with Stephen Page, because Stephen was helping Jack, you know, get some uh, the word out about the NDP and his run and blah blah blah. And the joke was, if we they wanted us to join the NDP, and I said, oh, we'll join the NDP, Stephen Page, if you promise. I said this on the air, if you promise to play our Christmas party again this year. at that point, he was still with the band, but I think the band couldn't make it. So he said, yes, we became official NDP party members, which was hilarious because they wouldn't let us out for years. (laughs) We literally would kept, I kept getting calls from the NDP five years later. Anyway, (laughs) so here's the part. So I I didn't realize these songs were, some of these songs, I guess subconsciously, they're songs I'm a fan of as a shitty musician. So this was a song I used to always try and figure out. Now before the internet, you had to like sit and listen to it and try and see if you could stumble upon the chords. So not only so Stephen Page agrees to play the Mojo Christmas party and I say to him as an added bonus if you would we will join the NDP if you let me play with you. And he he agreed and for the few weeks prior to the party, I was emailing him back and forth to get the actual lyrics, right? I'm sorry the uh, the, the chords. chords. Yeah. And I just want to tell you the last part of the story. So there's a couple hundred people at our party. We get to that part in the show. You know, everyone's excited. And Stephen comes out and I get the guitar. It's all tuned up. And uh, he let me play that first part just so I got to play the, the part where it's just the one guitar. Right. I got to tell you, Mike, I haven't, I've had a lot of experiences. First of all, I was super nervous. Uh-huh. Like in a way that I'm never nervous when I do stand-up or the radio or even TV. But I was super nervous. But I got to tell you, so as soon as I played that, that first little dinner and he starts singing Drove Downtown, the, the, the audience applause and you get that like that feeling of like that when a band you play there, when the band plays their hits, how you all that applause of recognition. Yes. But I got it with <laughs> Stephen Page. And I got to tell you, I've had a lot of great experiences in radio, but very few gave me that kind of a thrill. Like I was sh- trembling. I really was. It was something else. Well, Naked Ladies are a big fucking deal. Well, but that moment was a big deal to sure. me. Like sure. playing the, so playing the song that they all knew, but I was playing that part. And then I just muddled my way through the rest of it. But it was kind of cool having, uh, playing it and him singing it. So now when I hear it, I sort of relate to that moment of like, yeah, that was cool. I love that you chose that
0: song because I'm full of nostalgia for that song. Because that song was on the yellow tape. Yeah well that was part of gordon gordon yeah yeah it also made gordon but yeah yellow tape then gordon of
1: course you know i've I, you know it's funny because i i remember corresponding with steven who we, we've become friendly with him over the years i mean ed ed and our relationship is different but we definitely have a con congenial convivial relationship with steven as well and i remember going back and forth and him making sure i knew the chords and how to play them but I had another experience like that. I've told the story of when Dave Grohl was on the show. So I used to have my guitar at the edge when I was a morning guy there. So I used to have my guitar in the studio because I would, during the songs, try and learn them. And Grohl was in, I think this was the second time we'd met him, and I felt sort of comfortable enough to ask him if he could show me how to play the intro to Everlong. Right. And the story goes, I gave him my guitar, and he starts playing a couple of things. And I sort of, I meant to say, oh, that's cool. Or I meant more like, wow, or... Like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't like, I, I meant to say, oh, those are the chords, but w- what it came out was, are you sure?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I, he
1: starts playing Everlong, and I go, are you sure? Like, are you sure? Like, wow. And he goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that's funny. And Dave Grohl's a good guy, right? He
0: seems He's like a really good, good guy.
1: guy. Yeah, well, but that was when he was, uh, we were more excited about the drummer from Nirvana being with us. That's right. That's right. It'll, well, if, Everlong, if, the- if,
0: if, if Everlong was already in your mind, then they, Foo Fighters was already a big-time hey, um, uh, band.
1: how's the jam kicking going? Is this a good one? It's uh, wonderful.
0: Okay. I, I love hearing people tell me why they love songs that they love. Right. This is uh, why I invented Kick Out The Jam. Oh, no! Yeah. Uh, I'm ex- excited to have you Are you the one right. that
1: invented people talking about songs? Uh, yes,
0: actually. Yes, I did. So please don't
1: copy me. So my if movement. we do anything about talking about music, it's, a de- <laughs> again, derivative. <laughs> uh, Let's anyway. play your next jam. Yeah, yeah. once you jam, play this. Oh, my God. One of my favorite Christmas songs. <laughs> oh, that's the uh, the hooker in Minneapolis is no, the uh, Christmas, saying, yeah. Song, right? Christmas yeah Christmas Christmas card from a hooker. Yeah, it's great. It's a great Tom White song.
0: my wrist, Howard. Uh,
2: yeah, I'm very, I,
0: I like the melancholy of this song, but it's, uh, you're right. It's not an uplifting jam.
1: Well, it's... Um, I don't know what to say to that. I first fell in love with Tom Waits because I saw him on my favorite talk show's show. So I used to be a huge Letterman fan. I was a Letterman fan when he had a uh, morning show. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I... Um, was just a huge fan of his late night show because i was doing sort of the 80s were my stand-up decade and i uh, knew about letterman i you know i was living in la and i remember uh, the only thing i had was a vhs machine i used to tape letterman and i had all seven days marked you know days one through seven of letterman and all of a sudden he introduced this tom waits guy i'd never heard of him before but i thought oh if letterman likes him right i should like him too and uh, then I found out my brothers were big fans. And I sort of, you know, started exploring more. And, like, like this song isn't, I, when you say melancholy, it's just more like, it's like a film. Uh, but this is going to be weird. Yeah. I like this song because it reminds me of my kids when they were little. Because I remember trying to learn this. Everything today, the last four songs are all about <laughs> piano. I remember trying to learn this on the piano. And my kids would be little. And I would we would sing this song. Both of my daughters, who are 25 and 21 now, know the chorus to this song know that Waltzing Matilda do you know the uh, name of this song yes it's called Tom Trobert Trobert's Blues correct most people don't know you just passed the test <laughs> What, what did I send you? Uh, Waltz Matilda, and Matilda which yeah. is close enough.
0: I knew what you meant. But uh, I do... I Actually, I'm, I'm in the club, too. I really like Tom Waits' voice, even though uh, my kids probably think he sounds like Cookie Monster.
2: No, he's exactly... <laughs> not. My,
1: my daughters, when they first heard him, burst out laughing. They thought it was a joke. <laughs> um, And I don't do very many impressions, and I certainly can't sing, but I can kind of do his voice. I won't do it for you, <laughs> But... Um, yeah, it's funny. I this why I said it reminds me of Christmas because it just reminds me of times around the holidays where I would have time and I'd be sitting around the piano and invariably trying to learn songs and uh, this playing this to my kids. And it, but it's a really just a great example of how some people are just born, I think, with an innate gift of something. And there's a guy that just has a. a A grasp of, I don't know, words and a way of expressing emotion that, you know, like sometimes I used to listen to songs and go, I could have written that, you know, it's it's like it's just okay. But then you hear certain things, you go, man, I couldn't, uh, why are you showing me The Wire? Because Tom Waits uh,
0: sings the theme song for The Wire. Wow. Down in a hole.
1: So how excited were you when I threw in a Tom Waits tune?
0: And who's the name of the uh, Australian guy who's no longer with us, sadly, but he played the Joker in The Dark Knight? Who's that? Heath Leather.
1: Heath Ledger.
0: I believe he based his uh, performance on uh, Tom Waits' appearances on David Letterman.
1: His performance in what?
0: Like, as a guest on David Letterman. No, but I'm saying, in in, in uh, Batman. uh, uh, The Joker. Oh, the
1: Joker, yeah. Interesting. the
0: Joker's mannerisms and the way he talks is very similar to Tom Waits when you would see him on uh, David Letterman.
1: If you want, just Google it. It's something else, like, he was just this unusual guy. And another thing I admire about him is just how... First of all, he's a great musician. But how he, uh, you know, carved out this as his... His lane that he was going to be in. You know, he's got a couple of songs, Downtown Train, I think, and. Yes, that's his. Um, that became hits for other people. He's, he can write a song, but his voice is so different. And not all of his songs does he put this voice on. His Cookie Monster voice? His Cookie Monster voice. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of character. Like a, this guy's not going to be uh, like Ed Sheeran. He's not mainstream. You know, the the masses won't know a Tom Waits song or whatever. But music lovers like yourself will truly appreciate it. Sort of like um, Warren Zevon, kind of a like you know another like,
1: Letterman favorite. Strangely enough, because he liked those characters. He absolutely. liked characters. You know, there was another guy early on in the Letterman world, Harvey Picar. American Splendor. American Splendor. Another guy that you would have never seen. Like the early Letterman show, there's nothing like it. You would have never seen a guy like Tom Waits, Harvey P. Carr, Warren Zevon, all those people. You know, you're you're bang
0: on. Late Night with David Letterman. You're you're bang on. You ready for another jam?
1: Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I have to see it. Do you want me? By the way, do you want me to introduce one of these songs? like DJ style oh yeah has anyone well, ever done that if I that? ever
0: hear the, yeah I'm sure someone has done it I think Vic Router might have did that oh then. Vic Router
1: <laughs> make did, the final <laughs> was Vic Router the morning guy at the edge I don't think so I think he might have been uh, just
0: right. between Pete and Geats and Humble and Fred sure why not <laughs> here's another jam and yeah yes If you, I won't introduce this song when I hear well, you I talk i I don't know I'll what song it down. is I have to, just, I'll okay. have to
1: know how many seconds it is just- oh yeah One of the great songs to introduce. I'll tell you, when I was at Easy Rock, and we were changing over to this Boom 97.3 format, it was literally the first song I got to play in the new format. Oh, sorry, I walked the vocal. You didn't hit the post. We're all disappointed. Okay, but here's why I love this song. Okay, so I I was going to try and do that story over the intro. So I, Fred and I stopped working together in 2005, and we drift around. And I get a job at Easy Rock, and I'm playing AC music, and I'm doing this fucking weird morning show. I'm trying to listen. I got a family. I'm trying to make a living. I sort of resign myself that this is who I'm going to be. And Kim Stockwood, Colleen Rushholm, and Rick Rick Hodge, and me, and uh, it was dreadful. I mean, they were really nice people, and we did the best we could. But I have rarely. Hated my broadcast self more than I hated that guy. I, I, I listen. I was making money. I had a family to feed, and what are you going to do? It's the only job I was offered. So anyway, it all blows up, and two of those people get fired, and they come to me and call me, and they say, "We're going to sh- change formats. These, this is the music we're playing. You guys will be perfect for this, and we would have been." But the point is, all of a sudden, after being out of radio and then playing all this AC music. This was one of the first songs. It might not have been the first, but let's say it was. It'll make the story better. Mm-hmm. And when I was... I would. This is true. So well, I introduced the song. Boom, 97.3. And, and R.E.M. starts playing. And I put my headphones... I keep my headphones on. And I turn away from Andy Wilson, who was our operator, and Colleen. Because I started to tear up a little bit. And the reason I did is I thought, you know, I never thought I was going to get a chance to play this again. Because I, it meant so much to me right. to play something... Something cool. From my edge days... I'm getting, I'm getting emotional now even thinking about it because it was just such a snapshot of the edge and it's sort of, you know, there's a lot of songs you could have, that would have fit that bill, but this one, this is one, again, I remember I played two years of just dopey, mopey radio music. Like Janard and that kind well, of Which stuff, was fine. Right? Yeah. Right. But it's just, it, so this had a lot of emotion for me because I was like, Wow i'm back playing this so that's why i didn't try and figure it out on the
0: guitar (laughs) that's great i uh, it's funny you mentioned andy and we mentioned colleen i think they're both working out east
1: now both working in uh ottawa and colleen's at a station in ottawa i think a boom station in ottawa and uh andy man andy andy's all grown up and co-hosting morning show in montreal it's funny, because he was a part of
0: that uh, Tucker and Mora. Yep. I know you're friends with uh, Mora. And Tucker, too. And Tucker. I was
1: Tucker's consultant for a while. Bet you didn't know that?
0: No, I did not. That's, yeah. that's why you're on for the deep dive here.
1: Yeah, I went to uh, a buddy of ours, Jim McCordy, who was uh, the production manager at The Edge. You know, it was a morning guy there. <laughs> and uh, Jim had taken over a station in London, Tucker and Taz. And uh, he called me up one day when I was not out. Of, I couldn't work in radio. He says, uh, I got this morning show. I think, uh, would you mind listening to them? Uh, We'll pay you a little bit of money. Just have a listen. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not a consultant, but I said, I want you to see what you think. And I ended up coming to London a couple of times and consulting them. And and really, it was more about how to get along in a room with a bunch of people. But uh, that's how I got to know Tucker. It's funny that Tucker and Mora are now on the air in Hamilton, and and they took basically
0: that was Colleen Rush Holmes uh, with Darren Laidman. They had that morning show on. The, yeah, they did rebrand but but so they're it's doing funny it how Toronto. it's all interconnected. They're doing it from Queens, yeah, Chorus yeah, Key. But they're doing it
1: more than just in Hamilton, right?
0: I thought they were just in Hamilton. I thought but, it was yeah. a
1: network news to me. But are you uh, sure? Not, I mean, I thought it was like Energy sure. Radio because I because why would they just be in? Why wouldn't they have gone to Hamilton to do it?
0: Because they live... Uh, they live
1: in Toronto. Okay. Right. Right. But anyway, that's uh, why. Andy
0: was not part of this Hamilton because Ham- he already He'd left already for gone. a gig and it's good for him that he's co-hosting. No, no. Right? He's doing great. I, uh, we
1: saw him just before he went to Montreal and he was doing great.
0: I don't know him that well, but I met him a few times at Humble and Fred Things and yeah. I remember he was a massive fan of Kid Rock. Oh, yeah. Like a massive fan because I've seen Kid Rock live a couple times. Not that I'm a big fan. I don't know how. I just, I don't know. I dug it. And uh, Andy was like a diehard Kid Rock guy. I found that interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> Fantastic. Here's another jam for Humble Howard, who was a morning show manager. morning show the, guy, uh, yes. Exactly. At Edge 102.
1: This is what you found out today. <laughs> <This> is, today <laughs> I learned. That's right. Today's something new.
4: <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, all my songs are down. <laughs> I like sad songs no it's funny I had that conversation with Rachel when I first met her I, I was playing her some of my favorite songs and I realized after about a half an hour I'm like all my songs are pretty melancholy uh-huh. there's a comfort in being sad isn't it interesting that yeah, I lean into that that's,
0: I mean, that's, think that's about what I'm saying my, we're
1: analyzing you now what, where, think about that list you know Paris is Melancholy yeah. Waltzing Matilda even you know Brian Wilson yes because it's, it's rainy Beatles song.
0: yeah and this guy, I mean, uh, we're listening to Randy Newman, but he's similar to, uh, I Tom would Waits. say he's similar to Tom Waits. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a unique delivery style and yep. he's not for everybody. Not for
1: everybody. And, and hell
0: of a songwriter.
1: You know, I can tell you that overall, my I could have given you another hundred songs of similar artists that I love. And I think the reason I always gravitated toward them was that what I did for a living was play top 40 music. before long before the edge, I was a top 40 disc jockey, Right, you know, playing the top 40 hits of the day. Then I got to an FM station and played very, very popular, you know, Springsteen and all that stuff for a long time. So I think for, for me in the off hours of when I wasn't being a disc jockey six hours a day, I gravitated toward music that was different. Like I didn't do it on purpose. I just think because your ear gets so attuned to hearing a certain kind of vibe that you naturally when you're away from that want something else. I imagine if you're a chef at a fine dining restaurant, maybe you want fast food, you know, type of thing.
0: Like after uh, uh, Halloween, when the kids bring home chocolate, you eat it all night, you're just craving like celery or an apple (laughs) or something. It's like So
1: I'm not sure what my music is, but it's the so I I got into Randy Newman for various reasons. I love how the fact he's become he's become such a punchline, um, on like uh, Family, family guy. guy and stuff, which is great. Same with, uh, and that's fine. I, but he was somebody that, again, unique lyrics, very strange delivery, and when I was a disc jockey in the '70s, all I ever I ever knew he did was short people, right? Which, if you know him, as you look back on it, he was just being ironic. <laughs> he was just kidding around, basically, and a lot of his music is very sort of fanciful and whimsical and strange, and some of it's political. I mean, he's the Toy Story guy. But he's a really great musician. And what people don't know about Randy Newman is how many movies you've watched that he's scored or did the the soundtracks for. So many, from like The Naked Gun to... Tons.
0: Yeah, dozens and dozens of films. where You know, Toy
1: Story's got a song, um, another sad song. I think the original Toy Story has the... The one about uh, when she used to be my doll or something. Yeah, no, or,
0: he, I know exactly what you you're know. Talking. The one like, I mean.
1: Yes, it's uh, yes. when somebody loved me, everything was beautiful. Every now and then, that's how Randy Newman thinks. When she, <laughs> when she need what's that? It's a, It's for the kid. It's, it's. He doesn't play with his doll anymore. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, yes. When she
0: loved me when somebody loved me. And he's got, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's why we're like, and I've seen Randy Newman in concert at a really, we saw him at Varsity. It was at the university. Um, I don't even know what they call that little, it's Varsity very small. Arena. Not Varsity oh. Arena, no. It was at the university. Um, art House? Some Very small, like 600 people. Okay. And, uh, but when I first moved to LA, I ran into him at LAX. I didn't say anything. I was. I love early. L.A. Yeah. Okay. Take New York City. It's cold. He goes, yeah. Hey, New York City. It's cold and it's damp. And all the people dress like monkeys. Um, <laughs> but I saw him at the LAX and I was like, oh, that's right. You know, Andy right. Newman. That's cool. Do you like the Pogues? Uh, yes. Of course, uh, Fairy Tale of New York, another sad song that I love. They've got a song, I mean, I like the Pogues.
0: Because it's, it's sort of similar, it's different delivery. Like, I feel like yep. you dig the Pogues. And then do. Uh, there's a song called Body of an American, which is a fantastic song, which is an amazing part of The Wire. And you should watch The Wire. That's all I'm going to say. You should watch The Wire. And you can watch it in HD. It streams on Crave TV in high definition. You don't have to do the SD version that I have on DVD here.
1: Let me just tell you, there's a... Uh, in one of Randy Newman's early albums, there's a couple political songs that are really funny but interesting and one is called uh, Drop the Big One. Go and look that Look that one up. Let's drop the big one and see what happens. Here's your s- penultimate. How many? How many uh, we got two more to penultimate, go. Penultimate, yeah. All right, all right. I know what big penult- word of the day. I know what penultimate means. I'm letting the listeners A lot know. Of people not don't. as smart as you. A lot of people think penultimate means the final group. But it means the second to the final group. And if the penultimate episode of a good series usually has a significant death in it... Like The Wire.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's five seasons. You're like Regis for The Wire. (laughs) What's The Wire? (laughs) All right.
1: Oh, geez, another sad song.
0: We'll dedicate this to Jake Gold,
4: who's listening at home. I got it.
1: I think I've got exactly 30% CanCon on my list. Gordy? Gordy. <laughs> all the Gordies and Bare naked
0: Ladies, right? Yeah. Yep.
1: Three out of ten. Now I wouldn't have I, I didn't realize that, that I mean I, I guess in a loose way I ranked them. This wouldn't be my second favorite, but this was uh You know of the all the bits I've done that I thought were, you know, hey, hey this is a good bit. <laughs> Not that I regret it. I just wish that I hadn't been so dismissive as a joke of the Tragically Hip. And I, this is going to sound strange. I became a bigger fan. I said this on the show the other day. I became a bigger fan after Gordy died. But it's not completely true. I mean, I appreciated their music all along. I used to do this joke. I used to backsell a song and say, hey, there's a... Because I was a disc jockey on the radio. I say, there's Tragically Hip Edge 102. Uh, I guess that's uh, courage, and Fred would go, "No, no, Howard, that's grace too." I go, "I don't know, Fred. They all sound the same." Oh, and uh, the phones would go crazy because, as we know in the world of social media, sometimes having an opinion, even if you don't really believe it, it's fun to do to sort of stir things up. Right? You know, you know, how you like to stir things up, Mike. <laughs> like when I play a question at the <laughs> yeah, TV. yeah, you know, just something for fun. Give him something to talk about. Exactly, and um, you know, you know the story. Jake Gold tried to choke me. And I said, Jake, it's a joke. I'm just fucking around. But like a lot of music I played in those days, I I just, as I explained earlier, I didn't take it home. I I listened to it enough tragically if at work and blah, blah, blah. But then when he died, I started to really kind of go back and and listen to it like a fan. And this song just haunts me. Yeah. You know, I just find it and I, it's, you know, you like a song when you can, it's like, you know the old thing when people say, "Oh, whenever we're watch, when people would watch normal television, and they'd come on, and there'd be a movie or an episode, and it's halfway through, you still stay with it. Right. You watch it all over again, right? You know, you watch if you see the Chinese food uh, episode of Seinfeld, you'll watch it, of course. Same with me in this song. Like I'll listen to it over and over again." This is from Day for Night, which also
0: has Nautical Disaster, which I feel very similarly about. Like, I feel like it's one of those songs that you kind of Im- you immerse yourself in it, almost like you've been swallowed up by the waves in a vast ocean. It's oh, uh, very good. Like if I may say, when, when Jake Gold was on Toronto Mike, I made sure to ask him about that choking. About incident. choking me? Yes. And did he tell you the story? Yep, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. You and I are buddies now. He's a he's a friend. Uh, yeah, he's, um, I'm glad to hear that because uh, he's a good guy. So well, he wasn't mad show. at me
1: when you asked him about it. No, no,
0: he wasn't mad. You know, he was like childhood friends with with Hebsy. Like they were friends when they oh, were yeah? like five years old. Uh, Jake's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy.
1: Um, yeah, if you go yeah, if you go and look up the story. Basically, he got mad at me. We were doing a live broadcast from a uh, Masonic Temple on Young and uh, whatever that is. Young and Davenport. Sh- yeah and uh, he came up to me and he started choking me against a lamppost or something because yeah. he couldn't believe I said all those horrible things about his band but I, I the weird thing is I ended up golfing with two of them like right. quite a bit which two uh, bass player Rob Baker and uh, the drummer uh, oh no Johnny guitar Faye. player too Johnny Faye and but w- more, more, more Rob Rob was more into it gotcha and, and speaking of another reference Taggart and I were old golf buddies
0: that's why he came to your defense so readily when you he heard right, the uh,
1: abuse you took at the hands of I saw Solomon. I saw Taggart like um, like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. We were at a golf tournament together.
0: The thing, the knock against Taggart is he also blamed me fully for the uh, Molly Johnson episode going south. So I would sort of take his word for it on the Humble and Fred one, which I can own uh, responsibility there. But if you blame me fully for Molly Johnson going south, I don't think you're being
1: uh, objective. So. All right. So now. The number one song on my list is actually, I guess if I have a favorite song, this is it. And, and also, I have a friend, by the way, my, one of my best buddies, Fraser, is a huge hip fan. And for years, he couldn't believe that I didn't go to their concerts. And I remember calling him up about a month after Gord died and went, I wish I had gone to some concerts. <laughs> I really do. Anyway, so this is my favorite song. Okay, so let's take some explaining. In uh, 1977, I started working at a radio station in Moose Jaw, and there was a couple guys there from out west, from Vancouver, and they were older than me by a couple years, and I sort of looked up to them, and one of them was named Jeff Hamilton. Earlier this week, I talked about Jeff, who became one of my best friends, like Dan Duran-level best friend, and died. And he died when he was 26. Much like Idris, the intern, had an aneurysm. Wow. But between the time that I met Jeff... Uh, and he, in his death. We ended up working together. Uh, he was from Vancouver. I got a job in Vancouver. We worked at the same radio station, and I'd never heard of this band. And he was another guy that liked to play guitar, and we used to like smoking weed and trying to learn songs. And he introduced me to Steely Dan. So number one of Steely Dan always reminds me of my friend Jeff. Um, again, back to the musician part, Like this is way beyond anything... I could ever imagine playing but i've had the steely dan uh songbook with all the guitar charts and stuff i've had it my whole life it's still somewhere in my house and i've never been able to replicate any of it so to me it's like sort of still is like one of these things i've always wanted to learn how to play but why this song i mean part of it is because i because of jeff and because i've known it for so long but if you listen to the lyrics, it's about somebody that wishes they, like they've sort of got this normal life. Like it's about the hero in the song is a guy that lives in the, this sort of has a normal existence. But what he dreams of is playing the sax and, you know, drinking scotch whiskey. He dreams of a different life that he imagines that he could have had. Where he'd be this viper crawling through the streets and being somebody that, you know, lives a dangerous life. And is he a deacon? no no I don't think he's a deacon because the name of the song is Deacon Blues Blues. you know I don't know about that you know it's funny that's another thing about the song and they call Alabama the Crimson Tide they so call me Deacon Blues I honestly don't know why but I just you know I I love the idea of at the time I also I went through a saxophone stage you know about that no I went through a couple years where I was going to be a sax player had a saxophone had a sax teacher played sax I love stuff that had sax in it Right. so there's a part here he goes you know Learn to play the saxophone. I'll play it just how I feel. But it, it, again, I sort of related to it because I wanted to learn all those things. And uh, I wanted to be that guy. And I never really was. You know, it's something, I, it's like, you know, I sort of thought, you know, moving to L.A. and doing all that stuff. and But I was really just a guy from Moose Jaw, you know. I don't want to die behind the wheel if you're asking me.
0: We don't want you to either. Uh,
1: if you sonically, ask Mike, go ahead. Sonically,
0: yes. Sonically, this is One the, of kind the greatest songs, songs ever. Yes. Written. If you're testing your new stereo, yes. Or this, if you're setting up a sound system for a live event, play this to test things.
1: Yeah. So they they go through the song. He talks about this life he dreams of having. You know, he's a loser, they have got a name for the winners in the world. Um, I want a name when I lose. But my favorite part of the song comes up toward the end when he talks about you know it's also about you know um he, the, the toward the end he talks about this is the night of the expanding man it's a song about expansion he wants to be not just something that he's not but he dreams of expanding his life you know i think we all do to a degree and i remember when i really loved this when i first sort of got into it i was again going through my i'm a cool stand up comic i moved to but but in reality, we're all just where we're from. We all we all just in the end are who we are. Right. You know, we all want, you know, maybe to be different or learn the saxophone and be a cool person. But in reality, we end up just being, you know, kind of in the end, we're just ourselves. So, if I die when I leave here, and my my funeral is sometime in the next couple of days, and you come to my funeral, you'll hear this song. Because both of my kids, my ex-wife doesn't want any part of it, but both of my kids know that at whatever I have, whether it's a i you know, I'm cremated or whatever, but at some point, if it's just the four of them having dinner, someone's gonna play this song. Are you sad now? It's no. the ultimate melancholy jam, kicking. So this is here's the part, the, and he and they he says, "This is I'll, I love this." He says, "I cried when I wrote this song." Says, this brother, this brother is free. And finally, he says, I'm free. I can be whatever I want to be. Which for me, will just be the sweet relief of death.
2: <laughs> How's
1: that for kicking out the jams, Boone? Dude, you brought your A game today.
2: <laughs>
1: That's funny. Yeah, the other thing I like with this song is it's seven and a half minutes long, which is another fuck you to radio, you know. Right? Yeah, they did never got this on the radio. So again, imagine I played. I had a career where I was playing three and a half minute songs. So all the stuff I like tends to be longer form, you know. Right, and also I mean, if you needed a bathroom break or
0: something, you could throw this on and uh, take no. care of business. I, you know, it's
1: you know funny. I never worked at a radio station, even at C Fox in Vancouver. I've never worked at a station where I would ever have played this song but yeah I just think it's funny how I like uh, some of the stuff I like like Golden Slummers and they end like six and a half minutes and well there you go so dude how did it feel uh, I, I loved it that I, was my favorite episode of Toronto Mike Dever <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious <laughs> well, like, that's you, the most fun I've ever uh, had and it started with you bashing me in the fucking head <laughs> uh, I'm just sorry we didn't capture that on the Paris yeah film,
0: that would be too uh, bad live stream yeah, what I like about kicking out the jams of people like yourself is I feel I learn more about you from a jam kicking than just a 90-minute yeah. chat. Like Super you start jam. to open I'll up. I'll do it again.
2: And, Let's,
1: uh, do it Let's do it tomorrow. You got 10 more jams? I got 10 more jams.
0: <laughs> I'm Toronto Mike. I produce Humble and Fred. If you want to hear more of me, I host a podcast called Toronto mike If you go to torontomike.com and click Notable Guests at the very top, you can cherry-pick an episode and just check it out, see what you think. There are plenty of Humble and Fred episodes to choose from. Thanks for listening. Peace and love. This best of episode of Humble and Fred was proudly brought to you by Bodog The Retirement Sherpa The Chambers Plan GoDaddy Aaron Ventures EVNet.ca And Kelsey's I am most definitely not Dan Duran